1: And podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
3: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670, the score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is the score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station.
1: The score
2: Presented without comment.
3: Two-it-two. And struck him out. Fastball. If
2: that's the last one Lucas throws, it's his 17th swing and a miss. His ninth
1: strikeout. Stoney. Can I be your agent? <laughs> how come? Well, how come? I know
3: big money coming up, and I want to be the guy behind the scene. <laughs> so stay healthy.
2: Oh, that wacky Ozzy Gian. Mm. Sorry, Sean. I didn't mean to talk over your mother's favorite music from James Taylor. Oh, yeah. No, that's fine. I just,
0: I honestly didn't even mean to play it. I was just like, I just need music. So, yeah. There you right. go, Mary Sears. Sorry.
2: Yeah, it's hard. Mary, Mary. Happy Mother's Day to you, Mary Sears. You have a wonderful son that you've raised and done a good. He's a nice young man and an excellent producer. I just want you to know that, Mary Sears. And there's some James Taylor for you. So I, I am sorry to you, dear Mary, if I talked over the sacred James Taylor. Sweet which... baby
0: James, man.
2: That's what it is, yeah. And we played some old school Roberta Flack for for my mom because she. Oh, I just remember when I was a kid, she used to have the the vinyl records of Roberta Flack. That was that was her jam. Maybe maybe go crazy with a little Karen Carpenter for Gene Grody. Oh yeah, man, that we've got that some big planned. Spot. We've got some okay. things planned. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's early in the show. I'm Mark Grody. It's Hit and Run. I'm in for Matt Spiegel. I'm going to be here until noon on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. We have a lot of things to. Get to before noon, including Mother's Day fun. But at 11 a.m., about one hour from right now, we'll talk to Kyle Glazer of Baseball America at some of the MLB's top prospects, and specifically the Cubs' top prospects. That's what we're going to talk about. Also, Cubs wise, Tony Andraki of Marquee Sports Network will be on at ten forty. Chris Kampka of NBC Sports Chicago at eleven twenty. We're kind of doing the Cubs stuff in the second half because the White Sox are starting play at Fenway Park in 25 minutes. White Sox at Boston, ten thirty-five, Dallas Keuchel against Michael Walker. So we're keeping it White Sox heavy right now. And in the name of that, the man from whom you just heard right now with that crosstalk with with Ozzy Ozzie Guillen on NBC Sports Chicago was Lucas Giolito, who was a guest on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday with our guys Bruce Levine and David Haw. All
1: right, Bruce, it's time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And it is our pleasure to welcome in the White Sox ace, Lucas Giolito. Lucas, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. How are you? How's it going, guys? Doing great. Doing great. I hope the weather is agreeable for everyone out there in Boston. It looks like it's going to be a nice day here in Chicago for a change. Uh, congratulations on your big outing the other night at Wrigley Field. Let's start there. Lucas, it, it looked like it was uh, as difficult a conditions as, as you could imagine. How challenging was it for you, and, and how did you get things to, to uh, work as well as they did?
4: Um, the conditions weren't too bad I, the the night before um, Michael's game was just absolutely miserable um i I was sitting in the dugout it felt like we were in like a vortex there was just like water swirling around the field it was it was crazy I don't know how anyone was playing in that to be honest but um my game it, it was cold, but you know it's been cold uh in the midwest to start this year, so I'm kind of used to it at this point um yeah, I mean, it was just one of those ones where early on uh, I was just making some mistakes. They they made me pay for it with a couple home runs, but uh, then uh, kind of uh, brought it together and, and executed uh, more often than not to, you know, go solid uh, five and two-thirds. I would have liked to go six, but unfortunately I kind of lost it with the last batter there.
5: Lucas, uh, let's go back to spring training because when I first saw you in spring training this year, I walked into the clubhouse and saw you. I said, "Is this his uh, bigger brother that just showed up?" in Lucas, you <laughs> because you had you had uh, you had put on some muscle. You looked like you grew an inch. Um, you you look bigger and stronger than than you ever had. What was the difference in your training in the off season, or was it just? Uh, the fact that you're you're still a young guy and and your body's still maturing,
4: I'd say a little bit of both. Um, it was definitely part of the plan early in the off season. Um, you know, talking with my trainer and kind of mapping everything out to put on some mass. Uh, we felt that if I could just put on some mass early, um, you know, I have a, a very big frame and being able to kind of fill that out a little bit it would kind of benefit me in the long run, you know, over the course of uh, a full season, trying to throw 200 innings, um, just having a little bit uh, a little bit more to kind of start off with. That was kind of the goal. So, uh, my, yeah, my, my training was a little bit more intense uh, in the weight room and everything. Uh, you know, I wasn't, like, doing anything, like, crazy or different from what I've done before, but just a little bit more volume. And uh, just kept at it, and uh, I showed up to camp, uh, you know, a bit stronger, and uh, kind of as as I, I thought it would happen um, over the course of the beginning part of the season, starting to like kind of lean out a little bit from that uh, mass I put on. So uh, it's working pretty well.
1: Lucas, I think the, the the temptation is for a lot of people who who look at somebody who did what you did in the off season and added the muscle mass, you start to wonder, okay, well. The more muscles you have, the more muscles you have to pull, and the more, you know, maybe if you're doing something different, you might expose yourself to to an increased injury. Was that the case with you? Was your injury related at all to the different changes you you took in the off season to to increase your your muscle mass, or was that totally unrelated? Could have happened any given season. I
4: can't say for sure. I I really don't think so. Um, I have a history of having weird strange injuries unfortunately uh that's something that I'd like to see an end to here in the future um but yeah I I pulling my my ab uh it was described to me as a uh injury a lot of tennis players get from serving um kind of that like that that up to down motion um you know a lot of baseball players pitchers hitters will will pull um, obliques and and lats and things like that from that uh like uh, That twisting motion like hips and upper body But for some reason I went the other direction with it and and uh, went with the ab luckily it was super minor um, I actually felt really really good uh, Just a few days after the injury like I felt like I was ready to to get it going again, but since it was so e- uh since it was so early in the season uh, you know, after discussing it with the medical staff and everything, uh, they, you know, they wanted to take it a little bit easy and make sure that, uh, could fully heal and, and come back strong. So, you know, unfortunately had to miss a couple, but back on track now feeling really good.
5: The White Sox star pitcher, Lucas Giolito, our guest and inside the clubhouse for a few more minutes. And Lucas, uh, David and I, before you got on the air with us, we we're talking about, um, uh, the Ethan Katz impact that he's had on the staff and on, on a lot of guys like like Lope and you. And uh, and it seems like he, he's had it on Cease as well. From your perspective, can you give us a, a couple of uh, paragraph answer on um, what makes his way of simplifying uh, a pitching motion so effective for young pitchers unless you think i'm off on that
4: um i think i I honestly think what ethan's really good at is kind of understanding different personalities and ways of learning um for pitchers uh i think that he he adapts to you know different types of guys um some guys like really love looking at the data and uh in that case ethan's like all right cool like we can dig into the data here's x y and z uh we can do this that and this um and other guys like want to keep it more simple and he'll kind of go and do all that like data crunching and all that stuff on his own uh, along with all the analytics people and he'll come at the player and keep it really simple um, I think that he just has a uh, very good ability to adapt to different personalities um, and his coaching style will, you know, it will differ from guy to guy. It's not like it's one set, Hey, this is how I coach and you uh, got to follow it. Um, you know, he, it's like a, a tailored plan for each guy he's working with. And I think that's what, um, you know, really helps make a difference. And, uh, makes it easier for guys to understand certain concepts and, and be able to make those adjustments quicker.
1: You know, Lucas, the, you mentioned Ethan Katz, and, and the Codify owner, Michael uh, Fisher, I think, was on the, the score this week talking with Dan Bernstein. and gets a lot of attention, and, and he talked about how the White Sox as an organization were even interested in maybe buying the company. So I, I guess when you talk about everything that goes into the, the amount of intelligence that you gather, the information that you process – how would you summarize what that does for you, and what that could help make? How how it could help make whites, the White Sox staff smarter pitchers when they take them on? I know Liam Hendricks is also very much a, a, a fan of Codify.
4: Are you talking about Codify specifically? Yeah. Or just like scouting in general?
1: I think Codify um, specifically, just because it came up this week as as a topic.
4: Yeah, I like Codify a lot because it's it's kind of what I was talking about before uh, with with Ethan. Um, Super simple. Um, Michael, uh, you know, he's the brain behind the operation. Uh, He's got the, he's got, he did all the math equations. He's got the uh, algorithm. He's got this, he's got that. Um, And what I get as a player is a very, very simple, uh, you know, essentially heat maps uh, tailored specifically to me and specifically to the hitters I'm going to be facing. You know, what's going to work for me versus this hitter? Uh, I get that every week before every start, and it's just uh, another kind of tool in the toolbox to be able to make uh, my job easier. I mean, the job's not easy, but having, you know, different tools uh, to be able to prepare at the highest level, um, that's, that's, uh, that's what... I think can, can help a lot. So yeah, that's, that's what I really enjoy about Codify is the simplicity of it. Um, You know, being able to communicate with Michael, Hey, you know, I, I really like the maps last week. Like let's see some maps uh, of this different kind of situation. All right, cool. You know, he'll shoot them over. Uh, That's, uh, that's what uh, really helps a lot.
5: Lucas, uh, last one for me, uh, David might have a few more, and I, we really appreciate your time uh, today. I'm wondering what the, the Tony LaRusso factor has been for you personally, not just from a, a team perspective, but personally what you have learned, what you've liked, maybe some things you haven't liked and you've been able to talk out with them. Because one thing about both of your personalities, you're, you're both great communicators. So from the perspective of communication, and what you've been able to glom from that what has that been all about for you
4: yeah i mean it started when it started when when we first hired him it was before two spring trainings ago um that off season he calls me up and we had like a 30-minute conversation um i'd never met him before uh but, you know, he introduced himself. He talks about kind of his, like, principles, uh, very open, honest, up front, um, and explains, like, hey, like, this is your guy's team. I got to come in here and, and earn your respect. Um, you know, that, that, that really started off uh, the beginning of a great relationship. Um, you know, since then, uh, what I really, really have enjoyed uh you know working with with Tony as our manager is his love for uh the players like genuine care and love for for us not just as uh not just us as baseball players like oh cool like you're doing well on the field great keep it up but um you know off the field stuff uh family things like that um you know, for for example, uh, my wife is graduating vet school on uh, May uh, 27th, coming up here, and it happens to fall on an off day, luckily enough. So I remember it was like last year I went into Tony's office. <laughs> I wanted to be as early as possible. I was like, hey, Tony, my wife is graduating on this day, and based on uh, the schedule, and this is last year, it's like the, the next year's schedule came out, <laughs> he's like, and I'm like, I'm like, based on the schedule, I got very worried during the lockout, by the way, because I was worried that the, <laughs> the schedule was going to change and we wouldn't have an off day anymore. Um, but like, you know, based on the schedule, it's looking like 27th is an off day. Um, my wife's graduating vet school on that day. Uh, you know, before I could even like finish my sentence, he, he, he's like, yeah, you're going. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll figure it out. And sure enough, completely honored that i brought it up in spring training um, yeah of course no worries and you know we were able to we we're able to you know talk through it the other day me ethan tony um and uh you know have a nice schedule so it doesn't affect anything baseball wise but i'm still able to be there uh and, and be there for my wife so uh that's just kind of like one example um you know just the I'm trying to think of like the right adjective for it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that's that's kind of what Tony's all about, and uh, it's it's been wonderful.
1: That, that's great. Congratulations to her as well because that's a great accomplishment. And, and Lucas, we don't want to keep you too long, but in 60 seconds, what changed against the Angels in that five-run rally in the ninth? You guys did not win the game, but you haven't lost since. Did something get triggered that day when that comeback fell short?
3: Oh
4: man. Um it's to me, you know, I'm not a I'm not an offensive guy, but it it was almost like a little it was almost like waking up from a nap a little bit. Um you know, I think that we when we were in that little stretch, you know, we were trying, we we're always trying. Uh we're always going to try and play hard and give it our best effort, but it, it was just like it was just like that, that little bit of fire was, was missing. Um, you know, some of those deflating losses, uh, kind of going through a rough period. It was a little bit of like a wake up and everyone pulling from the same rope, you know, knowing what this is all about. And, you know, even though we came short that day, I think that it was, it was a nice little turning point for us. And, you know, now we, you know, we've learned from it, you know, if we happen to, you know, drop a few games here and there over the rest of the season. Like, you know, we know what we know uh, what we need to do and, and how to come
1: back. Lucas, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck the rest of this season, and congratulations to your wife. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, Luke- thank you. Appreciate Lucas, you guys. Thanks.
4: Yeah, have, have a good rest of the day.
2: Good stuff there. That's Lucas Giolito on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday with Bruce Levine and David Haw here on the score. I'm Mark Grody. This is Hit and Run. I'm in for Matt Spiegel today. There is White Sox news, there is key news pertaining. To this game, first of all, the Boston Red Sox starter, Michael Waka, scratched. So righty Tanner Houck will take his place and pitch for the Red Sox. So Waka scratched. He had not pitched at Fenway Park this year, but that's who the White Sox will face now instead of Waka. So still a right-handed pitcher. Yoan Moncada, the Tony La Russa says, will be back in the lineup on Monday. So Yoan on his way. And as far as an update on Andrew Vaughn, he is still day-to-day because of his wrist injury. The White Sox looking for a sixth straight win. White Sox and Red Sox about to take off at uh, 1035. Dallas Keuchel getting the start for the White Sox again against Tanner Houck for the Boston Red Sox. We'll continue our Cubs and Sox conversation in just a minute. And uh, phone lines are open. There, there are free spots on the board right now if you want to talk baseball or if you want to talk Mother's Day. That is wide open today as well. 312 644 67 67. Cubs reporter Tony Andracki of Marquee Sports. Now we're coming up at 1040 as well. I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on the score. Anderson deals. Swung on and hit in the air. Way back, deep to left. This one is long gone. Keep him in the leadoff spot. Wilson Contreras goes yard. Old. Sometimes
0: I'd like to quit. Nothing ever seems to fit.
2: Hanging around. <laughs> Nothing to do
5: but frown.
2: I thought this fit. Rainy days, you know? oh, days yeah.
5: always get me
2: Too bad. Hey, hey, too bad it's not raining. Or is it raining today? I can't even tell. It's, uh, it's not it looks...
0: raining right now, but, I mean, geez, has it done anything but recently?
2: Yeah. It's been a rainy, rainy city of Chicago. But I guess we're going to, like, I, I saw 60 today, so that'll be good for Mother's Day. And Karen Carpenter is always good for Mother's Day. And Gene Garodi is, we, we stay in theme today on hit and run i am mark grody i'm not for... chris ronji <laughs> no no I'm, I'm mark grody i'm mark grody light that's right in for matt spiegel today spiegel of the parkins and spiegel show he will reunite with danny parkins on monday from two to six right here on the score that you was also the voice danny of v right danny v danny vasectomy that's right he'll be back he's a new man come monday uh, or maybe even right now. I don't know if yeah. you saw Chris Tannehill shared a picture of them at the uh, or shared a video of them
0: at the Austin Harvest debut, the oh, food oh, bank, oh, and I s- yeah, I can see Danny who was like trying to like take the shovel and like you know shovel the dirt on it to it or whatever, but was taking some real shallow dips with the with the shovels. Like, yep, all right, man, he's, <laughs> he's feeling <it> a little. <laughs> Danny V's still recovering.
2: Danny V's like, is that good? Is that good? You got the picture. All right, I'm yeah. done. I'm fine. Uh, we're talking baseball here, Cubs and White Sox. Wilson Contreras actually had a good day yesterday. He was he was scalding the ball, and his home run was about as no doubt about it as it gets. Yesterday didn't add up for the Cubs. Nothing added up for the Cubs yesterday. That was in Game Two of the doubleheader, which the the Cubs lost to the Dodgers six two. Was the the final score. Cubs swept. They lost the first game, shot out by Clayton Kershaw and Company seven 0 nothing. Drew Smiley taking the loss. The the Cubs the game two for the Cubs was just a, a nightmare of a of a bullpen game. That's that's what it came down to, at least in the first inning where guys were walking with the bases yeah, loaded. I think the Dodgers scored a run without getting a hit
0: initially before that triple.
2: Yeah, well, so Daniel Daniel Norris started the game, and in honor of Spiegel, Daniel Norris started the game, <laughs> and he loaded the bases and then got it out and said, you know what, I'm good. Keegan Thompson comes in and was maybe a little bit pumped up because he walks a guy with the bases loaded, and then your guy, Sean Sears, Mookie Betts with a three-run double, and then you just like, Good God! You know when you lose the first game of a doubleheader as the Cubs did, seven to nothing, and you know it's bad because you don't score a single run. It had been a while since the the Cubs had not scored a run in a game. But you kind of figure in the next game, they're going to be more competitive. And then you turn it on in the second inning. It's bases loaded. and They're walking guys with the base. It's like, that's a long yeah. day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I,
0: was, I was working the highlights yesterday with uh, with Adam Stadzinski. Oh, on the board.
2: that's a long day, Sean Sears. It was brutal. But uh, after that,
0: after they scored those four runs in the first studs text to me, it was like, all right, this game's over. <laughs> and he was 100% exactly. right. Because oh, no, you just knew they were coming back.
2: Well, they weren't coming back, and if they had, the Dodgers are so good that they would have scored more runs and probably lost again. I mean, this is a huge talent difference between these right. two teams. The Dodgers are terrific, and the Cubs are not. Somebody pointed out to me earlier that the, the schedule has been tough for the Cubs. It has, but there's nothing surprising to me about the Cubs being 9-17 and 17 and nine games back in the National League Central right now. It's just this is what this season is. It's about changing the hitting approach to a large degree, which they have done in making better contact, although they have been striking out a lot recently. So it is baby steps for this organization. I mean, all you have to do is look at the starting rotation for the Cubs and then you know before the season started, and you knew that it probably wasn't going anywhere because you are wholly dependent on Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman to be great, and neither has been. You know, I mean, Hendricks has had his struggles recently. Stroman got it back on in his most recent start, but he struggled out of the gate for sure. And there's definitely a correlation. The the Cubs-Dodgers tonight, Marcus Stroman against Walker Bueller. One more uh, Sox text before the Sox game begins here momentarily from 779. Groats, what's the deal? You actually sound like you don't hate the Sox this morning. LOL, it's kind of uncomfortable. So please take a critical and inflammatory shot at my boys so I know that you're feeling okay. That's from Todd. Okay, Todd, Uh, A.J. Pollock is a problem for the White Sox. A.J. (laughs) Pollock. Oh, my God. Hasn't figured it out. No, oh, I I actually felt bad for him at one point yesterday because Sean because he kept coming up with guys on base. Yeah, every time Pollock was up, it was a big at bat. So 0 for five, leaving all sorts of guys on base. Sox lost a lot of guys on base yesterday in general. Uh, if you want me to stay negative here, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Pollock I, and I always liked I like AJ Pollock the player, especially young the younger AJ Arizona, Pollock. AJ uh,
0: Pollock looked like he was going to be a five tool superstar.
2: I could not have said it better. I did. I I, I was there watching him play, and I thought, ooh, this is, this is a ball player, man. This is, like, center fielder with speed, with pop. He's just, like, got the baseball-y thing about him. No doubt and about that. Yeah. Well, so much for that. He was, you know, got a nice four-year deal with the Dodgers. He's been a good ball player, and I thought that he would be good with the Sox. Not yet. Not yet. There was like a 24-hour period where we all thought that A.J. Pollock had solved the Sox problems in right field, but he has uh, certainly not done his job in that regard. So that was easy pickings for you right there, Todd. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm, at this point, there's two guys on the White Sox that if you want to stay negative that we could pile on, it's A.J. Pollock and then the guy who is starting for the White Sox today, and that's that's Dallas Keuchel. And, um, you know, this, this could be – because we don't really know what the White Sox are thinking. Like, are, are they actually thinking that if he has another bad performance today that there could be a DFA or a change, or are they thinking – yeah, we're going to need arms here just because, you know, Lance Lynn is not healthy yet and you just never know. And, you know, who's the who's the filling? Like how many times are we going to go to the Jimmy Lambert well if you're the white side? Right. So, and if right? you're
0: like sitting here thinking Johnny Cueto is going to fix that, like, uh, you know, that's a 30, 38, 39-year-old guy, 37, I think, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy that, sure, has a lot of innings under his belt, but it has a lot of innings under his belt because he's almost 40.
2: It's fun to think that Johnny Cueto could come in and solve the problem and he's got, like, one last gasp of greatness because it's uh, it, Johnny Cueto at times has been great throughout his career for sure. Cubs fans know that from seeing him all those years with, with Cincinnati and then in, in the playoffs then in that one-to-nothing game where Javier Baez hits the, the home run. So we know how good he can be, and I think that's what everybody is clinging to is, there hey, hey, Johnny, any chance we can get a little bit of that stuff? That stuff from way back. I, look, I know you're 39 to 40, but, and, you know, you're down there trying to get back up here, and it's a minor, league, but you got just a little bit of that stuff left. And everybody has that in the back of their mind. Just maybe. We know that guy. We know that Johnny Cueto has had a great career. So maybe. And you know what? The Cubs had that last year with Jake Arietta. Maybe. Hey, yeah. hey, Jake Arietta can come up here and maybe be our number three or four starter. And that did not work. No,
0: very, that was very much a wing and a prayer, and if even um, I don't know, like Cueto is a guy that like, you like he's not necessarily blowing guys away, but he does locate well. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to work himself out of a jam. Like that's a good value for the White Sox. But like I, I would put him as like g- same category as like a Dallas Keuchel. Maybe not as bad, but like they're just there because you need arms. You know,
2: like it's it's just oh, yeah. gonna be a
0: weird season.
2: Oh yeah, of course, of course. And there and obviously there weren't a whole lot of teams jumping at Johnny Cueto. And it, Cueto is going to be a guy used for exactly what he's being used for. If a starter was to be hurt on anybody's roster, Johnny Cueto is in that category. There's you know, there's going to be a group of pitchers that are going to be available that teams will put on their big board and say, if we get hurt and we need a starter pinch Johnny Cueto, Johnny Cueto is the guy that we will sign. And the White Sox did the right thing in snagging him because of the way this year started with Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito both getting injured. One more thing on the Sox, then we got a break because we're bringing in uh, Tony Andracci to talk about the Cubs. Here's an interesting thing on the, the White Sox is, and this would be a good Chris Kampka topic, but Chris has got to work today. So Chris is actually not going to be on. You know, there's a baseball game going on. Jake Berger has now, after yesterday, he had another one yesterday, seven infield hits this year which leads at least the American League, if not the big leagues. So I love little outlier statistics like that, ones that certainly will not last. I'd put most of my money down that Jake Berger will not end the season with the most infield hits, but it's kind of fun right now because every time he gets one, he smiles, and everybody in the dugout smiles as well. So the fleet-footed Jake Berger chugging down the line for seven infield hits this year. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the Cubs and the, the doubleheader sweep yesterday, what is to come tonight. And in the future, we will bring in Tony Andraki of the Marquee Sports Network next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
4: Hit and run on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago Sports Station. Yeah, I don't, you know, you give a good team like that, well, with nine walks, that's just going to be tough. Tough to win those type games, and um, you know, again, still uh, had some guys out there just not be able to get that that big ball base hit for us to to push them push push them across. Long day.
2: Yesterday at Wrigley Field for Cubs manager David Ross and all the participants involved, including the the fans who were out there at Wrigley Field for a split doubleheader, the Cubs lost game one, seven, nothing to the Dodgers and then lost the nightcap. Final score in Game 2 was the Dodgers 6 and the Cubs 2. Cubs now 9-17. and They are nine games back in the National League Central. Cubs and Dodgers tonight right here on the score with Marcus Stroman pitching against Walker Buehler always novel when there are sports on when sports shouldn't be on and so it's kind of cool that the the white Sox red sox game is on right now and i will keep you up to date on on that game so you don't have to go anywhere the Cubs are made that the White Sox did not score in the top of the first inning. So Dallas Keuchel on the mound to pitch to the Red Sox in the bottom of the first. No score in Boston with the White Sox looking for a sixth straight win. I'm Mark Rohde, in for Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run on the Score. As we continue to talk about the Cubs, as we bring in Cubs reporter Tony Andraki of the Marquee Sports Network. What's going on, Tony? How are you, man?
3: Hey, I'm doing good. How are you?
2: I am doing very well. Well, I, I mean, David Ross kind of kind of said it all about yesterday with the with the nine walks in that game and a struggle for Keegan Thompson, walking a guy with the bases loaded, Mookie Betts with a three run double, and you know a rough start for Daniel Norris. W- what do you say about that whole day at Wrigley Field yesterday? That was a rough one, man. There's no other way to put it.
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, like you said, you know, introing this is that it was a long day. It was a long day for the Cubs, I I think, you know, kind of for fans. And, you know, it's been a a long week or a couple of weeks here right now. Um, You know, it's just it's a tough go of it. I mean, Wilson Contreras had some pretty strong comments after the game yesterday about how it's tough to watch right now. And, you know, losing sucks. And he doesn't like it. Obviously, the team doesn't like it. I mean, the mood and the atmosphere just... Isn't the same as it was the first couple weeks of the season when Cubs kind of came out and surprised everybody and beat the reigning Cy Young winner and then uh, you know Brandon Woodruff the next day and you know took that first series from the Brewers and stuff. So it's definitely been um, a struggle the last couple of weeks. You know, I mean they they have 21 runs scored since that 21 to nothing victory in you know just over two weeks here. So it it hasn't been ideal for sure. Um, But you know the Cubs obviously Mm -hmm. understand that they're beating themselves in some ways as well. And so I you know, but at the same time, like they've had some difficult luck. They that Jan Gomes play was weird yesterday. I'm not sure how the replay still showed that it was a foul ball. Um uh, so there's just some, you know, kind of breaks and bounces going against them and then like you said, a bunch of walks yesterday and inability to get the big hit just kind of did the Cubs in.
2: Yeah, and for people who don't know, the the Jan Gomes ball goes to right field where the, the there's like a few inches of space between the foul line and the wall, so it's almost impossible for the ball to land in foul territory proper. And it was initially called a, a fair ball, and... It stayed as a fair ball. The Cubs challenged it, thought it was a f- foul. Wait, did I get that right, Tony? <laughs>
3: Opposite, yeah. It was a foul yeah. ball, um, and the Cubs challenged it, assuming it was a fair ball. And, I mean, it looked like it was fair. And, like you said, I've I don't I've never been out there with a baseball to measure, but I'm pretty sure there's, no, there's not like a baseball width between the foul line and where that padded wall comes in because it either hits the padded wall or it hits the ground, in which case it, it touches the foul line. That's always the way I've assumed it. But, you know, last night in the fourth inning, I guess there was a different interpretation.
2: Yeah, the the baseball either landed perfectly or it was too close to call. The other kind of weird moment in that game, too, while we're talking about wacky plays in the game, the, the Nico Horner error in the base running error, I should say, Mm -hmm. in the second inning, where Horner hits a dribbler to short, wild throw by the shortstop of the Dodgers' Trey Turner. Horner thought it was an automatic base because it was out of play, but the ball stayed in play, did did Horner, and, and Horner just kind of trotted, you know, down to second bait, takes the wide turn, thought it was a free bait, and then he gets tagged out because he didn't realize that the ball had stayed in play. What did Horner or David Ross or anybody say about that play after the game?
3: Yeah, so I, I guess Horner thought that it hit a uh, camera in the well right there and thought that, that, you know, because it immediately went into the well that, it hit the camera and was automatically out of play. But the thing is, there's this little net there and it hit the net and bounced up, you know, a couple of times in where the netting is. So it was all very much in play. Obviously he didn't see that accurately. Uh, you said, just tried it down to second base. And I mean, as I was watching it live, I was just confused as to how, you know, why he was so nonchalant about it. Cause I guess I thought it had hit off the net or the railing or something it was still very much in play. Uh, Obviously, the Dodgers tagged him out pretty easily. But I think those two things that we're talking about that, you know, Horner kind of base running gaffe and then uh, Jan Gomes doubled on the line, both things going against the Cubs. They could have had a runner at least on first base in both instances. And turns out, you know, both plate appearances resulted in outs. It's just kind of the way things are going right now for the Cubs.
2: No doubt about it, and and I guess you know maybe Marcus Stroman can play the role of stopper, and obviously he was brought in to be one of the Cubs' aces. A rough start to his season, good start in his most previous. He goes up against Walker Bueller. What are you expecting out of uh, Stroman tonight? Do you think he he's back on pace to
3: be more Stroman-esque? Yeah, I mean he certainly looked good the last couple times out. He has back-to-back quality starts after you know, a couple of hiccups to start the season, and he's such a guy that's so in tune with his mechanics. And he's a very big field pitcher that he and Kyle Hendricks are similar in that regard. And that they need their mechanics or their arm motion or whatever. They need their whole body to flow in the way that they want it to, to because they don't blow, blow things with a guy by, you know, by guys, they don't throw 98 miles an hour and everything else, but the way they, they work is everything moves and they need pinpoint control and accuracy. And German has had that the last couple of times out. And, he wasn't making any excuses, but the reality of the situation with short spring training was the last few starts would have been his first few starts of the season. So his first two, three starts of this year would have normally been in spring training where he's able to continue to build up his workload and work on things and get those mechanics in line the way he wants them to be. So he certainly looks like that. Now he looks a lot more like the pitcher who was going six or seven innings last year, every time out for the Mets. So I'm certainly expecting that again. And, he did play that role of stopper last weekend in Milwaukee with the seven shutout innings and outdueling Corbin Burns. So I, it's certainly possible tonight, you know, as well. But again, the Cubs have have another tough task here. They've faced a lot of good pitching lately, and they have Walker Buehler, who is another NL Cy Young candidate. So uh, they got to beat him if, and obviously have Stroman continue to pitch the way he has been pitching.
2: Yeah, and the Cubs wrap up this series against the Dodgers tonight, and then it is on to the San Diego Padres for the Cubs. And we are talking to Cubs reporter Tony Andracchi of Marquee Sports Network. I'm Mark Grody here on the score, hit and run, in for Spiegs on a Sunday, on Mother's Day, and it was interesting yesterday – uh, as as David Robertson was coming into the game for the Cubs yesterday, they were you know showing how dazzling his numbers were, and I was thinking, man, there there's during this recent stretch there hasn't been a lot of good for the Cubs except for David Robertson, and of course he gives up a two-run opposite field homer to Mookie Betts, but but. He has been extraordinary this year, Tony. Do you think that, and and I don't know if we have to base this on yesterday, can Robertson keep this up, man? Because I, I am surprised to see the production that he has given to the Cubs this year.
3: Yeah, I was surprised, too, to be honest, just because obviously he's done in the past. And we, we've seen him do it in Chicago You know, for four years on the south side. He was a really good pitcher and a really good closer for that whole stretch and has done it in New York, so in big markets. And, Obviously a very long track record, but he he signed a little late and we talked about the short and spring training already, just how it impacted everything with, with all the pitchers getting ready. So, I mean, you know, you have David Robertson come in, he signed late, he was just starting to get off the mound. And then his wife gave birth to their third child. So he goes back home to Rhode Island. He misses almost a week of spring training comes back, throws a live BP, Michael Hermosillo hits a home run off him, you know, and we're watching on field one wondering, like, is this guy going to be ready for the season, which was a week away. He ends up making two appearances in, in Cactus League play, comes out, and is just amazing. You know, he didn't give up a run, like you said, until last night, which was also only the second hit he has allowed all year. So, yeah, I, I just thought, like, wow, this guy's doing really good. I, you know, I was curious about it. And uh, when I had talked to him in spring, he mentioned when he was back home in Rhode Island, he played catch with his buddy down the street, this guy, Brian, who's a general contractor. And so that was kind of how he was able to keep his arm in shape and, and get ready and feel good and build up to the season. So I ended up actually talking to Brian earlier this past week. And you know, he gave me a little bit of a lowdown of, of how he played catch with David Robertson and how uh, Robertson was able to just stay ready and get ready and be confident to start the season this is also a guy who had Tommy John surgery like two and a half years ago. So the whole thing is just kind of fascinating. I I mean, it it was not something that was really on my radar. I I didn't think – I thought he might be good, but I didn't think he'd be this good this quickly for this team.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's some great stuff. It's an interesting story that he's sort of – David Robertson is sort of – remade himself for a potential the proverbial second half of of his career tony i want to ask you two last thing and that is about david ross cubs manager and he, he knew that there was going to be some tough times with his team i mean everybody knew that when the cubs traded everybody at the trade deadline how has he been in managing this team and how is he different from when he started managing this team a couple of years ago in the pandemic year
3: Yeah, I mean, to answer that first question, I I think there's just rave reviews all throughout the organization from young players that he's talked to in spring training or in minor league camp before the lockout ended this year, or even last year, right after the season ended. And remember, it was such a long, grueling season last year with COVID restrictions, or not even restrictions, but just, you know, like all the, the guidelines in place. And obviously, the Cubs ended the season in a tough fashion the last couple of months. And then had some some guys on the COVID list to end the season the last few days. So right after that, he went down to Arizona, the instructional league, and talked to a bunch of the young players. So it, it's those kind of things, and obviously how he's managing the big league club. But he has his fingerprints all over every level of the organization right now, and has drawn rave reviews from everybody, from Jed Hoyer's front office to players to young prospects to other coaches. And so yeah, I think he's really handling himself well and you know, showing the, the type of manager that the Cubs always knew he can be. And I think a lot of that starts with communication and just who he is as a person. Uh that certainly helps and, and he's shed that Grandpa Rossi label and become the leader that they know him to be. And yeah, you know, obviously this is necessarily not the, the easiest situation for him to be in, but the Cubs did just give him an extension in spring. So he's gonna be the manager here for a while and and I think continue to show and, and grow who he can be as a leader.
2: Tony, great stuff as always. Great catching up with you, man. And have a great Sunday out at Wrigley Field today.
3: Sounds good. Thank you, Mark.
2: All right, man. That is Tony Andraki, Markey Sports Network. I should say the Cubs and Dodgers tonight here on the score because they are the, the Sunday night baseball game. It's it's a really good point that he made right there, Tony andraki about shedding the Grandpa Rossi title. Like, one way or the other, that was going to have to go. And... David Ross knew it, and he also knew that it wasn't going to go away right away. Like when Rizzo and Brian and Baez – his friends are still on that team, It no matter what, it was going to be awkward and probably, no matter what David Ross said, difficult to manage. And, you know, there are still holdovers like Jason Hayward, with whom he is very close, but we saw him pinch hit for Jason Hayward earlier this season when Patrick Wisdom smacked a home run, and then he had to address that and talk about it and be a little bit delicate with it. So he is not complete yet. I don't, I don't know, but he, it feels like David Ross – just, just watching him talk, hearing him talk, and just knowing who's on the team and not on the team anymore, it feels like David Ross is in a a much better control of the Cubs right now. Like he has control and he is comfortable in what what he is doing. Tony also mentioned, you know, young players that David Ross was talking to. You know, how about how about Pete Crow Armstrong? That do anything for you? Kevin Alcantara, Caleb Killian, Brennan Davis, Ed Howard. We're going to talk about all of those guys coming up next, the hot Cubs prospects. We're going to do that with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America next here on Hit and Run on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports.
2: That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet